0: No, I want this town to be near you.
1: This holiday week you might know me from my weekend show I am the libertarian voice on WSB Saturday afternoons from 3 to 6 and uh, if you haven't heard my show you don't know where I'm coming from I'm a libertarian I'm actually an extreme libertarian I'm a narco-capitalist happy to answer questions about that it's an anarcho-capitalist not a narco-capitalist not a drug dealer and a narco-capitalist Uh, But in the here and now, what I do, what I care about the most is uh, defending the Bill of Rights. I think that the United States Bill of Rights is the one thing that stands between us and a really dark age of tyranny. So I'm trying to kick the can on that age of tyranny by defending the Bill of Rights. And what that means a lot of times is that I question the official narrative of a lot of the news that we get because I feel like inevitably at the end of anything that is getting just round the clock, uh, nonstop coverage on national cable TV news is always ends with the punchline of some policy that that will encroach upon our rights. So I think there is not only the Rom Emanuel policy in effect, never let a good crisis go to waste. But that the Edward Bernays policy of if you need a crisis to pass a policy, create the crisis. So I go down the rabbit hole a little bit. Uh, Not everybody goes down there with me, but it's usually pretty entertaining and uh, a a good ride. So if you do want to hear the show, I'm on Saturdays from three to six. If you have heard it already, then, you know, uh, my producer and sidekick, Brad Binkley, who's here with me now. Hey, Binkley, how you doing?
0: Oh, I'm fantastic after that traffic.
1: Right. You were the, how stressful was that?
0: It, it wasn't stressful at all. It's very relaxing whenever it <laughs> rains in Atlanta and people drive.
1: I would have thought holiday week is a little easier on the rush hour.
0: It was like taking a nap. It was so relaxing.
1: <laughs> I can't tell if that's sweat or rain on your brow, but I'm going to I'm going to ease off on you a little. Take it easy on you today. Did you let's let's talk of more cheerful things. Did you um Get anything interesting for Christmas?
0: I got this really awesome crate full of chocolates like I've never seen before in my life.
1: (laughs) Hey, man, I bought you every conspiracy book that I know and love. I had to start buying you chocolate. I
0: I love chocolate.
1: It's your other main interest.
0: What about you? Uh,
1: Well, I, you know, I'm a mom. I'm a, like, typical whatever soccer mom, (laughs) and I, um... So I had a pretty normal list. I wanted a juicer, which I got. <laughs> I wanted a robot vacuum, which I love so much. Like I feel like it's a false god. I just love <laughs> this robot. That is how much of a mom I am. So happy with the robot. You might want to be
0: careful with that thing.
1: <laughs> no, it's uh no, it's totally innocuous. The dogs think it's a new pet if they're <laughs> a little jealous. But um but I I had a couple of odd items on my Christmas list that uh, that raised a couple of eyebrows. You maybe raised your eyebrows since you're one of the people I asked for it. I actually asked for this year, an issue of Penthouse and an issue of Playboy.
0: That's what I used to ask for when I was 10.
1: <laughs> but I just want to read the articles. <laughs> You know I do because the the Playboy I asked for I asked you for it's this month's issue with the Stormy Daniels interview.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that,
1: that's a I real that's it, a real good one. <laughs> but you did the gentlemanly thing and you didn't actually send me the magazine. You just sent me the article, although it was complete with the pictures of her. Uh, it right. wasn't that was not bad. <laughs> but the penthouse, I asked my husband for that. And he just immediately, so he, he immediately said no. I guess he said Penthouse is too raunchy. I really do not know the difference. I don't know what qualifies as raunchy. And I'm never going to know because he did the same thing you did. And he just gave me the article that I was looking for. But it was bad because the the magazine is like 20 years old, the issue I wanted, maybe 15 years old. And uh, and so he tore the article out. And I like, I collect <laughs> books I collect deep history I try to find you know the real story and the original sources so to destroy a collectible however raunchy I just I could I can't deal with it but it was the gentlemanly thing so he did it and I appreciate it because I really wanted the article and it was everything I had hoped for so um, should I tell you about what was it about what was the article about what the old article was it was An interview with Max Kellerman. Do you know who Max Kellerman is? I've heard you talk of him before. Huh?
0: The sports analyst.
1: Yes. I didn't even realize that he had like a that he had gotten a real like a mainstream show. He now has a show, First Take, I think, on ESPN. But I only knew him because he was a boxing commentator, and my family goes way back in boxing. My grandfather was Panama Pat, the US Army champ, building the Panama Canal, which I had to look up the dates on that because it seems so untrue, but in fact, it's true.
0: That's a good name, Panama Pat.
1: Yes, he was super, uh, let's just say he was very old when my mother was born and my mother was very old when I was born. I'm going with that story to try to justify this. (laughs) So, So I have a long line of boxers in my family and I, I kind of, I like to watch boxing. I'm not like a crazy fan and know all the stats and everything. But Kellerman is a commentator. And he, I always liked him. He was pretty good. Uh, and then I was watching the one fighter I really like uh, is Triple G, Gennady Golovkin, who's, uh, I think he's from Kazakhstan. He was the middleweight champ. And I used to like Canelo Alvarez also. He's a Mexican guy, uh, good-looking, red-haired guy. But they had a fight last year, which I was at, and Triple G won hands down. But it was called a tie. And Kellerman comes out and says, Oh yeah, well, it was pretty close and the judge had a bad day or whatever. And I was like, I realized he had completely, or in my opinion, sold out. It was such baloney. And uh, and then like two weeks ago, you and I did a show on Kellerman uh, really reaming Steph Curry for saying he didn't believe in the moon landing. And for for Kellerman, who I felt was well aware that conspiracies exist because or or that people cover things up, I don't know. I just did not like – the way he handled the Triple G thing just seemed ridiculous to me. And then for him to get so adamant that everything in the world is what you see is what you get and Steph Curry was corrupting the youth – uh a tweet sent me, um, gave me the heads up that this article existed where Max had been interviewed and talked about how boxing was fixed. So I figured I had the smoking gun against this guy. And, uh, and I feel like I did because, and it's actually like, uh, I believe that what he was writing is more, it speaks not only to boxing, but to how I think a lot of this stuff works generally in academics and politics. Uh, he says that the way it works is, uh, if you're a judge, you get you need to get gigs, and the gigs come not only with pay but with perks. So if you know who everybody wants to win, if you know who who is the the guy that the money people want winning, you can just skew your uh judgments towards those people and know that you're going to get a place in the sun you're going to get these perks and he even specifically was asked uh so this is the guy i'm talking about the guy who in my opinion really uh just acted like this triple g canela fight was closer. it totally wasn't so he writes there's this one quote in here which i just thought was so telling he says, uh, the, the guy asks him, um, the interviewer asks him, um, do you think the Holyfield-Lewis fight was fixed? Now, this is before my time. I wasn't really paying attention back then, but this is what Kellerman said. He said, you'd have to be, the first Holyfield-Lewis decision was so bad, you'd have to be retarded to think Evander Holyfield drew or won that fight. A baby-born retarded can't be incompetent enough to give that fight to Holyfield, let alone a professional. Because the guy was saying, well, maybe they were just incompetent. Now, I actually have a son who has Down syndrome. And and I'm convinced that he, if he saw that first Triple G-Canelo fight, would have known Triple G won because Canelo was backing up the whole time. So I could literally replace Canelo and Triple G with Holyfield-Lewis and uh, and accuse Kellerman of doing the same thing. So I feel like I have the smoking gun here on... Uh, on how it really like as as a bigger picture of how it really works to get people to get on board with a um an official narrative that supports what the powers that be or whoever's powerful in that industry or whatever wants to support. And people close ranks around that. So Steph Curry uh immediately realized that he had stepped on toes. He was going to back back off that and um but I did like something that uh, another tweet called to my attention. Kyrie Irving, I guess, defended Steph Curry in a way, and I'm hoping to get to a little bit of that later. But the real, I was, I thought the the Stormy Daniels article also had a kind of revealing backstory, no pun intended, <laughs> where you, Binkley, you're so good at digging up uh, smoking guns from people's past that I feel like you really exposed stormy daniels for i don't know how carefully you read the article but she actually you contradict you prove that that her story has plenty of bs in it in your what you dug up on her from like 10 years ago so i want to go through her article her interview and i want your smoking gun audio that uh that will i think i think tears down the whole stormy daniels story that has dominated the news for like two years already so we're gonna get to that and um what else what else should we get to we're gonna play a game we're gonna mm-hmm. play let's uh we're gonna give we're gonna give away a prize let's try to do that at eight thirty. so we're on from seven to nine at 8 30 we'll pull we'll uh play a little game i ask a question whoever gets the question right is going to get the today's prize pack and uh, uh, and that's it. So let's take a quick break and we'll get back to the the Stormy Daniels interview and Binkley's smoking gun audio on uh, on Stormy's past. This is Monica Perez filling in for Mark Aram, 404 872 750 1-800-WSB-TALK. Uh, more after the break
2: news 95 5 at am 750 wsb
1: this is monica perez filling in for mark Aram. and uh i'm here with my producer Brad binkley and uh we're talking about something i asked for for christmas which he actually gave me or at least in part uh that i had asked for him to get me the current issue of playboy because stormy daniels was interviewed in it and i actually thought it would be interesting to hear some of the things she had to say i'd heard some of the quotes um maybe about being a feminist or i just was curious i thought maybe it'd be a little different from the stuff that's trotted out on fox or cnn and uh and I- you know, it didn't blow me away, as it were. But if you—Binkley, what did you think was the reason? Why was she in Playboy? I mean, as you pointed out, they, there was nothing new for Playboy to show in the pictures. Yeah, and Stormy Daniels in Playboy. Of, say it again?
0: Stormy Daniels in Playboy is ridiculous. If, if Unless you're going to show her dressed conservatively in a church praying, <laughs> give me something that you can't find 4,000 of on Pornhub. So her being in Playboy— is just a virtue signal because Playboy has been dying. Porn killed Playboy a long time ago. Pamela Anderson actually wrote an article about that. And so, what they're doing is they put they put Stormy in there to get people to sign up to their subscriptions because it's a virtue signal. They know that anybody who hates Trump, you can drive people. It's it's a marketing ploy, is basically oh, so what it is. So,
1: what's so what's a virtue signal? Like you just say, is it like dog whistling?
0: Uh, a virtue signal is like if I see some if I see some guy putting his arm around uh his lady and I walk up and I, and I very loudly so that everybody can hear me go excuse me sir you don't own this woman
1: <laughs> so that your girl likes you more
0: well I don't know who would like me more if I actually did that <laughs> but apparently some people on the left are into those kind of virtue signals
1: well if you're not a feminist you're a misogynist basically. that's right isn't that, isn't that the latest dialect I think so you've got to be you've got to be one or the other so okay so being in playboy is a virtue signal. Uh, for a porn star So you can use yeah. now feminist To got by Playboy Alright, so let's read Some of the excerpts From Stormy Daniels See what we think of that And then But we've got uh, A big reveal later on that 404 750 one 1-800-WSB-TALK This is Monica Perez This is Monica Perez In for Mark Aram today If you have heard my show I'm on WSB Saturdays from 3 to 6 I'm a hardcore libertarian I uh, I'm so I'm such a libertarian. I'm actually an anarcho-capitalist, but uh, I want to kick the can. So I try to defend the Bill of Rights, and in so doing, I analyze the news with the idea of how does this story try to subvert the uh, God-given rights that are enshrined in our Bill of Rights. Uh, by convincing us that there are bigger problems that need more government to solve. That's how I come at these stories. So right now, I'm here with my producer, Brad Binkley, and um, we're talking about Stormy Daniels, her article in Playboy. Not just talking about that because she's interesting or whatever. I'm talking about it, or like in the news, because I actually think that the Stormy Daniels story, the Russian Uh, collusion stories, those things are uh, created or misconstrued or whatever used for political purposes by both sides. Like it's not always clear who's benefiting and I'm not picking on stormy Daniels and the Russian bots in defense of Donald Trump. I think that he's as much a part of the dialectic as everything else, the dialectic, the two sides um, by, by keeping us, you know, uh, the left and right of the people of the voters fighting each other we don't realize that it's really us versus them it's really the people at the top wanting centralized power for themselves and making sure we are at each other's throats for things like identity stuff that you can never resolve and that keeps our eye off the ball of real policy like a bigger national debt you know ever increasing record-breaking national debt that we can never repay and so I view a lot of these stories as either smoke and mirrors or um, deception and the Stormy Daniels story. So she did this interview and there were some she had some interesting points to make. But towards the end, she says some stuff that uh, that misrepresents who she is and why she's there. And I'm going to I'm going to bring it all together at the end. But let's just talk a little bit about what she said. Take it at face value. Binkley, you brought this article to me. Do you have any um Interesting quotes from her. Anything you want to talk about? Assuming what you see is what you get. And yeah, actually, the that, I that I like the, the most
0: pictures. is the one that she made about feminism and hashtag Me Too, because the target audience that they're trying to draw in here is people who hate Trump. That's how it works. If you if you fight Trump, then people who hate him will come support you. But then Stormy uh, is going to really make them upset. Like on on feminism, she says. It's not that I don't identify with feminism. I just think it's gone way too far. It has lost its its original connotation. I love men, and I think they're kind of getting a bad rap right now. I don't want to be part of that. I don't know a single guy who should be punished because your great-grandmother did, didn't get to vote.
1: Well, she probably sees firsthand the kind of inherent contradiction of um, women's lib, feminism on the one hand and i am a big star trek fan the original show was really supposed to be progressive um gender wise race wise it really was cutting edge and these really forward-looking uh astronauts astronauts whatever chicks in the future were literally walking around with their underwear hanging out you know what i mean and that they were just pure sexual objects and i could never reconcile how that was supposed to be the progressive future and I think the idea is the message is supposed to be that we can be as sexual as we want and you need to to get past that you need to not not associate you know it's just an inherent conflict an inherent contradiction like the so she may feel that way because here she is selling sex like literally right getting paid for sex and is that the ultimate act of feminism to to be the one to benefit from from being the sexual object or as a sexual object does that uh make you inherently not a feminist right because you're supposed to divorce yourself so you can own it and divorce yourself from it at the same time so she probably sees that and just got past it because at that point it is a dialectic at that point it's meant to put people at loggerheads which is probably why it's set in those terms, like, don't touch me, and I'm in my underwear.
0: Yeah, I think Stormy is probably opposed to the type of feminist activity. There's all these different waves of feminism. She is not—her She her history, based on my understanding— she would be completely. Th- those people would not like her at all. If that's it what you know. It's for hard Trump. for me
1: to get my mind around that she could be in any way, shape, or form a hero of the left. Right. I mean, I just see her on the back of a Harley with a cowboy hat on and a you know a, 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 an American flag bikini. Like that's how that's the image she. Gives. Yeah, it, it really shows vibe.
0: how easily people can be pulled in to supporting something that doesn't align with what they believe in at all, simply by saying, "I'm going to stand up to Trump." they don't care that everything else about the person is in violation of what they claim to stand for.
1: Not to mention to me, the reason I can't even take it seriously as a she's being a hero of the left is it, she's an actress and this whole thing seems like an act mm-hmm. and Trump was an actor. So I, you know, I just I, I, just do not know where the reality show begins and ends with, and I'm not saying like, oh the White House is a, is a circus. I'm not saying that. I'm saying like very high level kind of deception of of how the puppets are now presented to us you know you have to be an outrageous outsider obama they really had to i mean if you take it from my point of view where you're talking about the real power lying above the parties so if people are familiar with tragedy and hope by carol quigley who was clinton's mentor he says in there we we foster this left right two-party dialectic so that people can fight each other and year after year, election after election, quote, throw the bums out, but they're all our bums, like the guys at the top. All the bums are the guys at the top bums. So you try to get somebody like Obama who looks like an outsider, Trump who acts like an outsider, and if you dig into their backstories, they're really not outsiders. Their families have deep connections to government um, and to the power elite. So when I see a story like Stormy Daniels, I think this, you know— She may even be there to make Trump look victimized. You know, I don't even know what the real story is there, but she definitely does not strike me as a feminist hero of the left.
0: She strikes me, and there are definitely people who are pulling her strings at the top, but she's very willing, and she strikes me as someone who's having a blast with like a a year-and-a-half-long publicity stunt that's making her a whole bunch of money.
1: Well, it's a great second career for a 40-year-old porn star, I would think. You know, a nice way to go. A nice way to kind of uh, your your swan song.
0: She's got to be the first person in history to have three hundred and three pornography credits before she appears in Playboy.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm sure. How, I mean, how they don't they? They probably have not, mostly none, right? Not
0: usually. It's kind of like a coming out party. Playboy is, you know, you finally <laughs> debutante.
1: It. The, there's the debutante ball of the porn star. Right. So, um, so anything else that you are uh, you take at face value in that article?
0: She she's just running her mouth, trying to she's trying to tease out the Trump juicy story that she has. She does that on every interview she gives. She acts like she's going to reveal something even juicier about um, the alleged affair that her and Trump had. And then when you read it, it just ends up being a bunch of more. It's just fluff.
1: So you know why I don't believe it even happened, right?
0: I'm not sure it did either.
1: I don't believe it because he's a notorious germaphobe. And and I believe that. They tell stories that I was behind him. He's from New York. I was behind him once in a convenience store, and he had his like bodyguards or whatever, and he was pointing at things and having the other people pick them up.
0: Maybe and he that did that be, to Stormy.
1: That could yeah, maybe he maybe he did that with tricks. And also he's notoriously cheap. So I don't think he pays for it.
0: I can see that. I, I The germ thing...
1: That's why I didn't believe the dossier with him having people pee. I it's wouldn't just, put
0: it past him what to do it. germaphobe
1: would do that? Would pay people? You know what I mean? What cheapskate germaphobe is paying for that?
0: Uh, yeah, I definitely not believe in the pee story. But the stormy Daniels' story i could buy him doing that i just don't believe her uh, her story is inconsistent
1: all right well let's let's talk to joe joe has something to say about stormy uh joe can you hear me you're on with monica
0: yeah hey, I you. thanks
1: for
2: taking my call on hey look i'd get my right arm to go see uh stormy daniels and i haven't been in a strip club in over 30 years but let she's me on tour
1: this. make america horny again <laughs>
2: that's the name yeah well but let me say this i think she's She's more smarter and intelligent than a lot of people would give her credit for. Mm-hmm. I think, like I said a while ago, uh, she just got taken in. Michael a- Avalotti, over how do you pronounce his name, I think yeah. he's just a Avelotti. good BS artist. He took her, he saw an opportunity, he promised her stuff he couldn't possibly deliver, and it all backfired on her. And I mm-hmm. think she's just a victim. I think uh, she's probably not a bad person. I kind of take pity with her. I think she's just a victim of. Uh, a lot of people that just hate Trump, you know, and I don't think she necessarily hates Trump, but uh, she probably saw dollar bills. She saw an opportunity that I think a lot of us would probably, probably if I was an attractive woman, I'd probably go for it and uh, try to see if it'd work. All
1: right, Joe, I, I appreciate your position, and you probably don't know what Binkley dug up on Stormy Daniels that I think might... Uh, might change your opinion, and I'm gonna, I'm going to read an excerpt from the article. I'm gonna read it now. Let it sink in over the break, and then after the break, we're gonna tell you why I call BS on that, and I think that Joe might change his mind. This says, uh, <clears throat> this is the Playboy article. Can you blame Stormy for not wanting to be part of the conversation? She can't remember the last time she Googled herself, and as for politics, well, no, thank you to that too. My contribution to society is to provide people an escape. A large portion of my fan base is guys in the military or people going through difficult times. And the last thing I want to think about is that stuff. My job is to give these guys 12 minutes where politics don't exist. And the last thing you want to do is get in an argument with a customer. That was ingrained in her when she was 18 and working at the local something bar. If men attempted to engage her in a political discussion, which they would, especially around election time, she would change the subject with, let's talk about sex. So, uh, indeed, it is capitalism and not feminism that drives her current club tour, Make America Horny Again. So, so this is what she's saying. She's saying that since she was 18 and working in a topless bar, She avoided politics, she would change the subject to sex, she's not interested, her contribution to society is to provide people an escape, that she, the last thing she wants to do is to get into a political discussion with uh, her clients. So this is the person that she's presenting herself as. She's really constructing an image of herself, I think consistent with what Joe is saying and I believe that that, that the media is fostering that image <clears throat> and this is where uh, this is an example of how I believe the media intentionally ignores real news because their larger priority is uh, is the policy or the politics so there's stuff that you can find just scratching the surface on her that contradicts this. And then, of course, if you're di- Binkley, you dig deep and uh, and you really get the good stuff. So I'm going to tell you right after this break what um, uh, what I know about her that completely contradicts what she just said. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perret.
2: News 95.5 at a.m. 750 WSB.
1: This is Monica Perez, and for Mark Aram, uh, we are talking about I'm with uh, Brad Binkley, my producer. We're talking about Stormy Daniels. She just did an article, an interview in Playboy, and uh, she talked about how she's not interested in politics. She figured that out when she was 18. She just she is selling escapism, and she, if people start talking politics, she says, let's change the subject. Now there are a couple of articles in the news these days that you can find, but mostly the articles are 10 years old from when she considered a run. She did a quote listening tour where she said she was serious and spending her own money to challenge the Republican Louisiana Senator, uh, Vitter. Was it David? Uh, I think it's David Vitter. And, um, so, she was running first. She she said she's not affiliated with any party. She was doing it on her own. She had these strong opinions. And then uh, she declared as a Republican. So she was trying. Maybe she was trying to win against him in the primary or maybe she was running to split the ticket. This is something Binkley and I talked about last week on uh, the Saturday show. In Alabama, it was recently discovered, revealed that Democratic operatives were uh, promoting a Republican write-in candidate to split the ticket against Roy Moore. We've got more smoking gun stuff on that. If you want to go to uh, iTunes Propaganda Report or Monica Perez show and listen to that last show, it's very interesting. We're going to follow up on that a little bit this Saturday or maybe even later tonight. But the, the point is that Democratic operatives can do stuff like that and uh stormy was being helped by a democratic operative named brian welsh i believe at that time but even the articles that you read about it now and then all made it uh sound like it was her idea and these guys just gave her a little bit of help. One guy, one Democratic operative was on her listening tour uh, because he had nothing better to do. And not because he was trying to help her disrupt this race when they were trying to get this Republican out. But Binkley found absolute smoking gun evidence that uh, she was a Democratic operative 10 years ago. So let's get to that right after the break. 404 750 This is Monica Perez.